Good morning, good afternoon, good night, good whatever it may be for you right now. This is Lose the Taboo on Mental Health with Jared Cash. Buckle up, get ready, we going for a ride. Welcome to Lose the Taboo on Mental Health, episode 17. Can't believe I'm already to episode 17 uh, for how little I put it out. It seems like they're adding up here. Uh, but I'm so excited. I have a special guest on here today, Joe Rinaldi. He's on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here, Joe. Jared, thank you so much. I, uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while, and I can't wait for our conversation. Definitely. I, I'll let you know, everyone that's listening, you are going to see why I've been so pumped up about this conversation uh, by the end of this podcast episode, because Joe has got a really neat story, got a great perspective. Uh, so I've been pumped up about it. I actually heard about Joe and his content uh, through my best friend, Matt Green. He uh, had been following and had a conversation with Joe and just was like, this guy's incredible. The stuff he puts out is incredible. So I, he kind of got us connected and I started following Joe and the, the, just the encouragement he puts out and his story. And I was super encouraged by it. So I know that you're going to definitely be encouraged by this episode as well. Uh, but let me just name a few things, a few things I've noticed about Joe, and I'll let him expand on it and tell a little bit more about himself. But correct me if I'm wrong on any of these, but Joe has a doctorate degree, a coaching business, the Pursuit podcast, the Project Endure podcast. Got a lot going on. There's probably more to it, but those are the things that I noticed right away. Do you want to expand on any of those or tell us a little bit more about you, Joe? Sure. Yeah, I could touch on those. And by the way, that introduction was amazing. Hopefully I could live up to the hype on this one. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm 27 years old. I live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with my wife. We're both doctors of physical therapy, although I only practice one day a week currently. And the rest of the time I'm doing coaching, writing, speaking, podcasting, content creation, uh, kind of all over the place. It's an organized chaos, at least to me, that's how it feels. And, uh, and yeah, I just really, really love people and, uh, and everything that I do, I just want other people to feel like they were just a little bit better because they interacted with me. And whether that's from an energy perspective or a knowledge perspective or whatever it is, I mean, that's really my goal with uh, everything that I do. How long have you been coaching? So I've been a performance coach since 2014. So coming up on eight years. Mm. And the performance coaching that I started doing was in-person, working with high school, collegiate, and some semi-professional and professional athletes back home in New Jersey where I grew up. And then I graduated with my exercise science degree in 2016 from Rutgers University, went on to Drexel University here in Philadelphia to get my doctorate. And I continued to coach clients, but transitioned online during that time. Mm. And then uh, just about six months ago, I left my full-time job and made coaching my full-time job. And it's been quite a ride and it's, it's grown quite a bit and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, but with that fun has come certain challenges and you know, yeah. we can talk more about all that if you'd like. Definitely. Uh, what, what type of, I know you do different types of coaching. What, what type of coaching do you do? 
Sure. So I would really categorize it, let's say, into three main buckets. So one is fitness, and that could be strength, endurance, or a combination of the two. People who want to get stronger, look better, run faster, whatever. That's one bucket. The second bucket is mindset coaching, which some people might uh, liken to life coaching. I'm not mm-hmm. certified in anything in that realm, but really what I try to do is, is meet people who are maybe a little frustrated confused. They, they know where they are. They know where they want to be, but there's a gap, there's a disconnect and they're not sure how to get there. So I, I feel like my job is to be that outside perspective, to help them identify struggles, barriers, obstacles, and then come up with strategies and systems to implement and execute, to get closer to where they want to be and who they want to be. So a lot of that is just deep, meaningful questions that I'm helping to use to guide somebody through that process. Yeah. And then that's the second bucket. The third bucket is business coaching, business consulting. And that really happened by accident. Uh, I just, you know, I left my job and people started to notice that I was, you know, gaining clients and building things and uh, people reach out here and there and say like, how did you do this? Like, do you show other people how to build a brand or get coaching off the ground and do X, Y, and Z? And so that's the newest uh, category of coaching, but actually it's, it's been really fun. And so it's those three fitness mindset and business. Yeah. That's really cool. That's, that's amazing that you're able to speak in, uh, to people's lives in those different categories and areas. Uh, something I love that you've pointed out so far is that you really have a passion for helping people. Yeah. You know, we're both kind of in those fields. I'm a pastor. And so my, my career is through, you know, trying to help people take a step further, uh, to either find God or grow in their love for God. Um, but there's something special about having that mindset of every day, there's someone I can help, you know, and I want to push it. Has that been a big part of what you've done? Yeah. I mean, it started when I was a child and I was 10 years old and I was diagnosed with a condition called best disease, which is a a condition that causes progressive loss of eyesight. So eventually it's headed down a path toward blindness. Right now I'm legally blind in my right eye. My left eye is pretty good. But for a long time, that really held me back. And, you know, as a child, I felt sorry for myself. I was confused. I was anxious. I was frustrated. And I had a lot of bad days. And there were people in my life who invested into me and, and improved my life and left me better than they found me. And uh, it was just through that process of knowing what the lows felt like that I realized that everybody's struggling with something. And you never know when you're interacting with somebody what that person's going through. So I almost feel an obligation to just be uh, that positive, encouraging presence in everybody's life, um, even on the tough days, because I think you can still be encouraging and positive when things aren't great. And for me, that's only possible through faith. Um, and I'm sure we can dive into that, but that's kind of the backstory. Yeah. Uh, how old were you? Did you say whenever you found out about best disease? I was 10 years old and I woke up one morning and just couldn't see out of my right eye. And uh, it's a shock. So we found out that day that I had this condition and I had a laser procedure to reverse some of the damage that had happened. And then that kicked off uh, a 17 year journey so far through best disease. Wow. You know, what you said really stands out to me about uh, everyone having a struggle. And sometimes it's things that we can't see. Um, and a big part of that for a lot of people listening uh, to this podcast is mental health. And so, 
you kind of mentioned uh, becoming anxious before we dive into anything else. I'm just kind of curious, what, how did it affect your mental health as you walked those beginning years through this difficulty, through this, this hurdle in life? I think more than anything else, I just felt alone. And it was the kind of thing where, you know, a classmate, when you're in elementary school, someone breaks their arm, they have a cast, they get a lot of attention, people, you know, comfort them and console them. Um, For me, I, I had this thing that was happening inside my body that nobody else could see except me. And so my parents would tell me like, Joe, go sit in the front of the classroom, go ask the teacher for more time on your test and stand up for yourself and, and, you know, do, do that kind of thing. And that was the last thing I wanted. I sat in the back of the classroom. I took the normal tests. I, I didn't want anybody to think I was different, but on the inside, I just felt so alone because nobody else uh, could understand what was happening to me. And I didn't really even want them to. So that anxiety really just uh, felt isolating. I would say mm-hmm. for, for most of my childhood. At what point did you feel like you started to have a little bit, maybe not where you are today, but having a little bit of change of perspective? Uh, I, it's, it's hard to say. I really don't think I, I had the big change until I was in grad school, but maybe a smaller shift when I was in high school. I kind of, mm-hmm. I fell into a rhythm. I had a great group of friends. I played sports. Um, my eyes were relatively stable. So I'd say high school, things started to even out a little bit for me. And then uh, it was in graduate school where things completely changed. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm curious, um, as you explain that and talk about that, um, how were your parents with the whole journey? I mean, my parents from day one, aside from maybe not believing me right away when I was <laughs> ten, and when I woke up that one morning and, you know, I told them, yeah, I can't see. And my mom was like, oh, come on. What, what's really? So um, yeah. outside of that, they were the best. I mean, they dropped everything for me anytime I needed something. Um, you know, my condition is sporadic. So I would wake up one morning and notice that something was off with my eyesight. They would, you know, call sick out of work and take me into New Mm. York city and go to the doctor and do whatever was needed to be done. And they were really a huge encouragement and support system for me. And more often than not, it was just listening. And Mm -hmm. I, I had people that I knew cared about me and loved me and that would listen to anything I had to say. But at the same time, they wouldn't let me make excuses for things. Mm. And I'm so grateful for that. I remember I was in honors geometry in middle school. It was sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And I got uh, the first D that I've ever gotten on anything. And I think it might be the only D that I've ever gotten anything. I was like a pretty type A person, good grades, really cared. So I went home and I, I was crying. I was so upset. I think I probably made some kind of an excuse because of my eyesight. I was having trouble focusing on the material or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And initially my mom comforted me and she said, okay, we'll talk when your dad gets home. And like, maybe you can drop down to regular geometry. And I remember my dad got home from like a 14 hour day in New York city. He worked really hard and he heard from my mom what was going on. he was like, absolutely not. He's, <laughs> he's going to stay in honors geometry. And to my dad's credit, he didn't just say that and tell me, you know, work harder. He got down on my bedroom floor and spent three hours learning geometry with me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I did fine on the next test and I, I learned a lot, um, through them. So yeah, they've been amazing. Yeah. That's, it's, you know, it's a true blessing to have a support system like that, especially early on. Cause at that age, it's just a hard age anyways. And then if you have something that's as big of a difficulty in your life that you're having to, 
wrestle with and struggle with and try to find your way through, you know, if you're doing that alone, um, that's seems almost impossible. Um, one thing you say that I love on you, on your website, um, you say, I'm grateful to be going blind. And that's a statement that people probably would never think they would hear. Um, and so want to just get your thoughts on that. Like, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, high level overview. I I believe that everything happens for a reason, and it's really hard to look forward and connect the dots. I mean, it's it's impossible. You can't predict the future, but you can look back at life and make connections and understand, like, oh, like I didn't get into this school because I was supposed to end up here to meet this person or or whatever it was. And um, you know, for me, I like to also say what I've lost in sight, I've gained in vision. And to me, sight is what we see with our eyes open and vision is what we see with our eyes closed. Sight, no matter how good your eyes, is limited for everybody. We can only see so far, but vision is limitless. And as I was able to see less and less of the world around me in a physical sense, I was able to appreciate the power of perspective and I was able to see all of the opportunities and possibilities that came with each new day. And so to kind of wrap that all up and bring in a fitness analogy, because I I love fitness, um, you know, when you go to the gym, you lift weights and you struggle a little bit, and then you come back next time and you're stronger for it. And Mm -hmm. I see my struggle or really any struggle for that matter, the same way. I'm blessed to have this daily struggle that is just always with me because with my perspective, I feel that it is giving me strength and I'm building resilience and I'm improving because of it, not despite it. And uh, I just, I'm grateful for it for those reasons. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And uh, a perspective that most people wouldn't think that a 27 year old would be able to have at this point. Um, what are some of the big reasons why you feel like you're able to even have that perspective? Uh, number one is just my faith and just my relationship with God is hands down. Number one, number two is my wife. And, um, and yeah, number three is just like everybody who's ever shared a struggle with the world. Uh, I feel like it's such a brave thing. And there's this one, one person is a great example, Inky Johnson. He's a motivational speaker. I'm not sure. Are you familiar with who that is? I'm not. No, Uh, uh, you would love him. But to make a long story short, he was a college football player for university of Tennessee. And this is years ago now, but he was on the path to become an NFL first round draft pick. Mm. And he grew up in poverty and this was his ticket out of poverty, not only for him, but for his family. And so he was a few games away from being drafted in the first round and uh, he made a tackle and he paralyzed his right arm and uh, was never able to play the game of football again. And he's, he speaks about it in such an eloquent way and he ties in his faith. And it's amazing because the doctors told him, you know, son, you're never going to use your arm again. And he just said, you're wrong. Like, I'm going to use my arm mm-hmm. every day to show people what's possible. And uh, he, he's the one who actually helped me frame the question of why me into why not me. Mm. And I'm so grateful for that because it's so easy to ask that question, why me? But it's just that one simple, you know, word that you add in there, why not me? And uh, so it's really faith, my wife, and then people like Inky Johnson and anybody who's ever been vulnerable about a struggle. 
that's something that we've started to see a little bit more of is people being brave enough to share their story. You know, I feel like as the recent years have gone on, we started to see people like you step out and be brave. And I think it's sparking, encouraging others to be able to seek help, reach out to others. Um, I want to kind of dive in. You said your faith is a big part of it. How do you feel like God has equipped you or strengthened you during these years? Yeah, so I I grew up going uh, to a Catholic church. That was just, uh, you know, how my parents raised me. And I always knew that God existed, but I never knew how to get closer to him. I just, uh, I just couldn't figure that out within the framework of the Catholic church. So when I went to graduate school, I kind of stepped away from church just a little bit and focused on school. And the first year of graduate school for me was hands down the hardest, darkest year of my life. I was so used to being able to put more effort into things and just get better at them, whether that was school or sports or relationships. But for this first year of graduate school, no matter how hard I tried, I would wake up every single morning and I just couldn't put a smile on my face. Mm. I, could, I just couldn't find any bit of joy or happiness. And I really felt like God didn't care about me at that point in my life. And mm. so I stopped caring about him. And there's this girl in my class who I had a huge crush on. And instead of chasing God, I started chasing a girl. And as I spent more and more time with this girl, I started to feel a little bit more like myself. And I slowly came out of that depression. And uh, it was a few months into spending time with this girl that she invited me to church. And of course, I liked her. So I, you know, I was going to go. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember like it was yesterday, just standing in church, uh, listening to the worship band play Good, Good Father by Chris Tomlin, which I had mm. never heard before. And it was almost as if God put his hand on my shoulder and he said, I got you. He's like, I know you stopped chasing me, but I never stopped chasing you. Wow. And it was that moment where I was just like, my life changed completely. And, um, and yeah, and I, I think God strengthened me because he showed me that even through the darkest season of my life thus far, he was still there. Even when I didn't necessarily feel it in the way that I thought I should feel like God was there, he was there. And he proved that to me because that girl is now my wife and mm. she's hands down the biggest blessing that I've ever had. And so it was almost like the darkest season of my life led me to the biggest blessing that I've ever had. And uh, through that, I've, I've really come to learn that God is working um, even when we might not be able to see it. And I, I forget who said this quote, it might be Ray Ortland or Tim Keller, one of those two, but even when you can't trace his hand, you can trust his heart. And mm. I feel like for me, that's just been that example in my life. Well, I'll never doubt ever again. Yeah. That's really powerful. What's your wife's name? Michaela. Michaela. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of the blessings to have uh, someone in your life like that, that loves you enough and, and gets you back to your faith with God. Uh, what do you do? now, like, what do you do now to continue to keep that relationship with God, you know, uh, growing? 
Yeah, I, you know, every morning I do my best to do a little bit of a daily devotional. Um, right now I'm going through, uh, what is it? Live in Grace, Walk in Love by Bob Goff. Yeah. And so, yeah, read a little bit of scripture and reflect on it, meditate on it. I love worship music. Um, so even when I'm working out or driving anywhere, that's usually what I'm listening to. And to me, that's like almost the most natural form of prayer. Um, I'm by no means a good singer, but when I'm alone in my car, when I'm alone in my car, I can make it happen. And, uh, you know, to me, that's, that's definitely a way I spend time with God and then, um, try to make a habit of, you know, praying with my wife before we go to bed and, um, just, you know, praying throughout the day really, and keeping reminders around, uh, even if it's just every time I hit a light switch, just, uh, making sure I'm checking in with, with God. So mm -hmm. those are kind of my, my go-tos. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm curious for you, uh, how has this transition, um, into a little different career? How is that tied into, um, just the journey you've had so far with, with best disease? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, nobody's asked me that before. I mm. think, you know, best disease when I was younger forced me to shy away from challenges. And I felt that, you know, I, I did have this excuse, my eyesight, you know, so if I didn't do well in something, I could always blame it on my eyes, but I never even wanted to get to that point. I was afraid to go for something and fall short because I felt like failure was a reflection of who I was. And so that's how I lived most of my childhood and teenage years. And now more than ever, I feel the complete opposite. I understand that failure in no way, shape or form says anything about who I am as a person. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of that has to do with just my identity as the child of God. Um, and that can't be changed by any earthly failure or success. And so as I was embarking on this path of entrepreneurship, it was really a matter of like being okay with the fact that I'm going to step out here on faith, try to make something work, do my best, knowing that potentially it might not go the way I want and it might not work at all. But so far it's been great. And I've definitely needed to lean into faith during some of just, you know, the emotional volatility that comes with being an entrepreneur, but I've been growing through it and, uh, you know, handling it, I think fairly well. Yeah. From what I've seen, you definitely are. Yeah, uh, thank you. you just, I can see the difference you're making in people's life. You know, I've always ha had this mindset, at least the past five years or this thought of without big steps of faith, we really can't grow in our relationship with God uh, and just grow as a person. And so, you know, I look at my life and some of the things that I've done for me, it was a really big deal um, to just kind of, so my story, those listening know it, but just a little bit, I, I stepped away from pastoring because of mental health issues, uh, for a time. And during that time I started this podcast and it was a really big step of faith for me because it's, you know, as you know, you're putting yourself out there, you're vulnerable. Uh, but it's when you have those moments where you're like, I, this doesn't necessarily feel good. I don't know if this is even going to go. Okay. If anyone's going to listen to this, but my mother, you know, and, uh, but you just go ahead and do it anyways. It's those moments that I feel like I'm so much stronger of a person now. Of course, my faith is stronger, but it's without taking those steps to do things that are, that take courage. We really don't grow as a person very much. Um, what else for you has been things that's helped you grow as a person? Uh, relationships for sure. I mean, I think that 
anybody would be lying if they said they were self-made. I don't think Mm -hmm. that phrase is accurate in any sense. Uh, So like for me, there are so many people that have invested time and energy and uh, resources into me and my growth and my development, but also just surrounding myself on purpose with people who I admire in different ways um, and trying to learn as much from them as I possibly can and hoping that if I just stay in the room long enough with some of those people that they'll rub off on me a little (laughs) bit. So it's definitely, it's been a challenge to find people who I really look up to and am able to surround myself with because I think a lot of times there's a disconnect. So like a great example would be like, I love uh, Will Smith. Like, I think he's a great actor. I like a lot of what he stands for, but like, there's no way, like I'm going to be able to spend time with Will Smith. (laughs) So like, you know, finding people who are like within my sphere already that I want to spend more time with, that's been a huge help. And just connecting in general with other people, I feel like you're you're only one person away from a totally different life. And Mm. it might be like a connection that person makes for you or an opportunity they present or insight that they share with you that totally changes the way that you see the world. And so really just connecting with as many people as possible has, has been helpful. Yeah, that's really good. I, you know, during COVID for a lot of people, they stepped away from a lot of relationships and it's kind of easy to use it as an excuse, especially Mm -hmm. with social media being the way it is today to not have those deep connections and those relationships, but it's so important to our growth as a person, especially if it's people that are pushing us towards our goals um, this is kind of off topic, but I want to ask you, um, sure. how do you set like certain goals for your life? Do you have like a one year goal, a five year goal, so on, or do you encourage people to do something like that? I think goals are great for setting direction, but they can be dangerous when the outcome becomes too important. Mm. So for me, just uh, talk personally, I I have short-term goals. I'd say all of my goals are within a two-year window. Mm -hmm. Uh, Long-term, I think it surprises people when I say like, I have absolutely no idea what I want to do. Like I, you know, I have a passion for speaking. I have a passion for writing. I have a passion for coaching. What that looks like in what combination, I have no idea. Five years from now, 10 years from now. But I do know that I want to be the best husband possible and the best Mm -hmm. father someday possible and the best friend. So like those three things are really the overarching theme in my life. And whatever I'm doing is just the vehicle. Um, But I want to be fully present and available in those roles. So uh, to get back to your question about goal setting for everybody in general, I think goals are really important to set direction. And so if you don't, if you have no idea where you're heading, it's going to be really hard to uh, change course, right? So there's this book called The Defining Decade. And in the beginning of the book, they talk about your 20s as like you're taking off from New York City in a plane and you're headed west. And if initially you're headed toward San Francisco or let's say Washington State, and then you get 60 years into your trip and you realize at the end, you want to be down near like Arizona. That's mm-hmm. a huge change of direction. It's going to require a lot of energy and you're going to face a lot of resistance. Yeah. But if in the beginning of your journey, you have like a ballpark idea, like, okay, 
I want to go to Arizona. So let's go like Southwest instead of Northwest. Um, Mm -hmm. You can save yourself a lot of trouble. So I think goals are important for direction, but also an understanding that attaching yourself to an outcome is super dangerous, especially when you can't control the outcome entirely. And so I like process-oriented goals. So things that are totally within your control, think maybe habits. So if somebody says like, I want to win the New York City Marathon, I would encourage them to say, okay, let's like set some process goals. Like you're going to run five days a week, every week for the next year, or you're going to hit your nutrition on point. You're going to do X, Y, and Z. And then let's set a time goal that doesn't depend on other people. Hmm. So for me, it's a lot of process goals, but uh, I do use goals just long-term. I'm pretty confident saying I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That was just something I was curious about with your coaching, especially you know, your view on that, um, kind of getting back, I do want to ask if you could go back to your younger self and share what you know now that you didn't know then, what would you share? What would be the one main thing you would share? It's a great question. It's a big question. I know. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, no, I have two things, but I'll pick one. Uh, it doesn't matter what other people think. As long as you know in your heart that your intentions are good and you're being who you want to be and you're not hurting anybody, obviously, but it doesn't matter what other people think. And that's what I've just come to realize more and more as I've gotten older. And the flip side of that uh, is just people aren't thinking about us as much as we think they're thinking (laughs) about us. Uh, I could speak for myself. I'm pretty (laughs) self-absorbed most of the time when I'm by myself. So um, I think it's really that. Like It doesn't matter what other people think as long as you're true to yourself and you're doing good things. Like Who cares? You know. That's really powerful, especially for young people to take a hold of that because that's one of the biggest you know, identity struggles, uh, is huge. What encouragement would you have for someone specifically with mental health? And they feel like they've hit, uh, this hurdle or hit this wall and they don't feel like they have what it takes to keep going. What encouragement would you have for them? Oh, this is great. I just gave a talk to a local middle school mm-hmm. and uh, it centered around my favorite quote. And I have a tattoo of it on my wrist, but uh, I'm going to ask you a question actually, Jared. And then okay. you could, so if I had a rock, like just picked up a rock from outside and I bury, uh, I just gave it away. If I put it underground, what would surround that rock? It's not a trick question. It's just like, like, what would you say would surround that rock? Dirt. and Yeah. Yeah. yeah, dirt dirt or soil. It would be in a dark place. If I took a seed and I also put that seed underground, what would surround that seed? Same thing. Yeah, dirt or soil. You could also say that seed is in a dark place. But what's the difference between the rock and the seed? One of it is set to grow and one's not. Yeah, the rock is buried, the seed is planted. Mm. And so the quote that I love is by Christine Kane. And she said, sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think you've been buried, but you've actually been planted. Mm. And to me, like, oh man, it changed one of the things that changed my life. And it's just, you know, just like the seed, we will all find ourselves in dark places, dark seasons of life. But we have to trust that just like the seed, we have life inside of us and that Mm -hmm. we too can grow, break above the surface. And it's not going to happen overnight. 
And, um, and I think that leaning into faith is huge. Um, at least for me, that, that was the key, but -hmm. also, you know, you need good soil. You need to surround yourself with good people who are going to lift you up. You need those nutrients. You need whatever minerals are in the soil and water. Like you need to consume good content. Um, if you're in a dark place and you spend five hours a day, just mindlessly scrolling on TikTok, versus if you're seeking out wisdom and insight and connections, like there's a difference in those things. And so I think if you're in a dark place, trust that you've been planted and not buried, but also go do your part and surround Mm. yourself with the right people, consume the right content and give it a little bit of time. Because as my mom used to tell me, and as much as I hated it, when she used to tell me this, it's true, this too shall pass. Mm. That's powerful. That's a, an amazing way to kind of sum up a little bit of what we've been talking about. Uh, I, I love that. Say the quote one more time. Sure. Sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think you've been buried, but you've actually been planted. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to write that down. Probably use that in a sermon. Uh, that's so go. good. That's so good. Well, Joe, I, I, I want to just thank you so much for coming on and spending time. I don't know if you have anything else that you wanted to uh, kind of share as an encouragement to everyone listening. You know, I think just at the end of the day, what I've been realizing more and more is that, you know, uh, life is something that comes and goes for us here on this earth. And sometimes the little things could feel like really, really big things. But it was actually in a sermon at uh, my church that the pastor posed this question a couple months ago. And he said, can anybody raise their hand and tell me who their great, great grandfather was? And, you know, a couple hundred people, nobody raised their hand. (laughs) And he's like, yep, I didn't think so. He's like, we will pass on from this life. And someday nobody here on earth will remember who we were. And it just made me feel so small, but not in a bad way. It humbled me. Right. And the, you know, your car breaks down or you lose your job or you, you don't get that thing you were shooting for. You don't hit that goal. Like at the end of the day, it's all pretty, it's small stuff. And, uh, we can't, we can't get hung, hung up on the small stuff. I think the big stuff for me, that's super important is just loving God and loving other people well. And if you could do those two things, I mean, great things will happen and, uh, life will be pretty full in the end. That sums it up. Great. That's so good. Uh, I wonder, can you share, first of all, you're making such a difference, man. Uh, you are inspiring people. One thing I love about that I've seen about you is you're very approachable. Like you post your number, you like have things where people can set up a time to call with you. Like you, you get that you were put on this earth for more than just you. I, I uh, have this sermon I'm going to be doing here soon. And it's talking about, you know, we have this, this puzzle of our life that we picture. And sometimes God gives us new pieces that doesn't fit in with the picture we had in mind. And mm-hmm. we have to figure out what we're going to do with that new piece. And, uh, you were given a huge piece that didn't fit in with what you had planned for your life, even as a 10 year old, but you decided over time that you were going to work with the piece that God had given you. And the picture now is this beautiful picture that you didn't see it first, but now it's more beautiful than you could have ever come up with. Uh, and that's just so evident. And what you're doing is you are now s- 
since your puzzle, you started to realize that you're now starting to help other people figure out their puzzle and the pieces that God's given them. And that's just so powerful. We need, we need more people like you on this earth. So thanks for what you're doing. Uh, thank you so much, Jared. And that sounds like an awesome sermon. You'll have to send <laughs> I don't know if you guys record them or whatnot, but I would love to see that when it's done. Thanks, man. I definitely will. What are ways that people can stay connected with you? Social media, uh, podcast, all that. Yeah, Instagram's probably the best place. It's just Joe A. Rinaldi. And uh, if you can find me there, you can find anything else you want to know about me, podcast, blog, newsletter, YouTube, et cetera. And uh, like you mentioned, Jared, if anybody is listening and you want to just connect, I would absolutely love that. And yes, my number's out there on the internet. Um, <laughs> do I regret it on some days? Yeah, but most days it's great. My first actually funny quick story, my first call after I posted the initial blog about two years ago with my cell phone number was a call from a number I didn't recognize. And uh, it was just my brother pretending to be just some random stranger. <laughs> um, but I've connected with some great people. And if you want to talk, I'm, I'm here for that. That's so cool. Uh, what, what, are you, what do you focus on in your podcast really quick? Yeah. So two podcasts, the pursuit podcast has been around for a little over a year. I co-host that with my friend, Sam Tooley, and we really focus on the pursuit. So what are people pursuing? Why are they pursuing it? How are they pursuing it? So we really want to talk to and tap into the insight of people who are performing at a high level, people mm -hmm. who are in a diverse uh, set of fields, and just understand some of the strategies and habits and driving forces behind why and how people are doing what they're doing. So that one's uh, that. And then more recently, I started the Project Endure podcast, which really is a conversation around hard things. And there are four questions. Uh, and, and of course, whatever conversation comes from them. But what is the hardest thing you've ever had to handle? Mm -hmm. What is the hardest thing you've ever done on purpose and why? What does the word endurance mean to you? And if somebody was going through a really tough time right now, what would you say to them? And mm -hmm. uh, I've recorded 11 episodes so far, and out of the first six, I had four guests cry on the podcast. So I was oh, like, wow. off to a great start. <laughs> um, but there's some really vulnerable conversations, and I, I just want people listening to that one to, one, know that they're not alone, yeah. and two, to have these blueprints of people who have been through like really some of the most terrific things that I could imagine and have come out the other side, like in, in a lot of cases, grateful for those experiences. Mm and just better off and stronger. So helping people in that way. That's incredible. And, and I'm assuming you said they can find it through your Instagram, but I'm assuming it's on all streaming platforms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Spotify and um, Apple seem to be the two most popular, but you know, on my website, you can also find like a neutral internet site. So if you don't listen on either of those, you can mm -hmm. find it on my, on my blog, which is joerinaldi.blog. Perfect. Yeah. Great. Well, Joe, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate your time. I know you've got a lot on your calendar. So, so making some time here really means a lot. Yeah, it was absolutely my pleasure, Jared. And I can't, I already can't wait to listen to this one back and share it with, uh, I have a bunch of people in mind. So thank you. That's so cool. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And I know it's going to be a huge encouragement to so many people. So Joe, go get it today and uh, look forward to getting this out so everyone can hear it. Thank you again, Jared. Yeah. I hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of Lose the Taboo on Mental Health. I'll see you guys next time. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and share with others so that they can join us on this journey. I'll see you next time.